0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: This is our number two of fantasy sports today. Craig Mish, Joe Pia back with you here on the show. Lots to get to baseball in this hour. A little bit of NFBC high low. We'll look at some win totals in baseball as fantasy sports today is back right now.
2: Fantasy sports today. He's caught! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Toss to White! He's in! Patriots win the Super
0: Bowl! And welcome back Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Pizapia with you here on the show as we get you ready for full-time fantasy coming up at the top of the hour, 2 o'clock Eastern. Dr. Roto is ready for you. We're ready to talk a little baseball here on the show. And as we move into January, if you listen to us every day, you can see that that is the direction that we're headed at this point, especially after this weekend and the AFC and NFC Championship wrap up. Uh, Last night, we were pleased to get this news. It just goes to show you that sometimes reporters like me are involved in stories, get to know stories, are aware of stories. And then there are stories like this that just pop out of nowhere. They did a good job hiding this one, Joe. Josh Donaldson turns down the Braves, which is really what he did. Make no mistake about it and signs with the Minnesota Twins on a four-year deal. The best offense, arguably, in the American League got better. You, Yankees will have something to say about that, no question, if Stanton is healthy this year, of course. But the impact on this is just huge because I think it gives Donaldson, if healthy, at least 500 plate appearances this year. But what it could do is affect Miguel Sano, affect Marwin Gonzalez, and some of the other pieces on the Minnesota Twins that were penciled in to get 400 plate appearances. I don't think that is indeed the case anymore.
1: Well, I mean that's that's part of this whole thing. So bringing in Donaldson, you're right. Last year he had 650 plate appearances, so Donaldson played a whole lot. And after dealing with those calf issues, they did for a couple of years right. in Toronto, he's he really basically showed up <laughs> last year. And I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, this it reminded me. I made the comparison in last year's Black Book to the remember when Adrian Beltre signed that one year deal with the Red Sox. And he just went bananas in Fenway Park. Uh And then, of course, he parlayed that. That, to me, was exactly what... That's why I wanted all the shares of Donaldson I could get last year because it reeked of that same kind of thing. And you're right. Now, you look like probably Miguel Sano will play a lot of first base. Um, We know that Nelson Cruz is going to clog up that DH spot. That's going to happen. I assume Donaldson's going to hit... Is he going to hit four? Do you want Cruz to hit three or new Rosario five? Like I'm trying to think. Do you want Rosario in the four spot and break up the righty lefties? I'm guessing like from a batting order standpoint, right? Is that Mm -hmm. where you
0: want him? I don't know if they would do that. Maybe Rosario... would bat higher i don't know that's a good question well you got
1: kepler and polanco at the one two i would imagine well, kepler's then definitely going off. Well.
0: polanco's definitely two um i would think you can go either
1: cruz or donaldson in the three i would say yeah i would i would Eddie say rosario four
0: yeah that sounds right That, that sounds. bad they
1: do have a you know because lineup. they don't so, after, the after donaldson that it's an obp right <laughs> you want the donaldson obp yeah he'll the bat, i think, hole, that, I yeah, think. That, yeah
0: donaldson will bat third that sounds right
1: yeah and then you've got the rest of this lineup after that it will be cruz at five after rosario garver and then you'll have Sano. You <laughs> yeah, well, well, but Sano's going to play first base. I mean, they just gave him money. They just paid him. But I think anybody who loved Astadio or anybody who thought Marwin would, Gonzalez would be a nice little play. Cause he had some moments last year kind of flexing around. That's done. That's done. The bigger question is what do you do if you're the brave now? Do you, go back into the Chris Bryant sweepstakes? Do you ramp up the, because there's a lot of Nolan Arenado discussion out there. I know from your guy that you don't necessarily believe it from. So therefore, (laughs) every time I see him on talking about it, now you've ruined me. But 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 am I wrong about that hit? Has anything actually happened? You have not been wrong about it. You have not been wrong about it. But do you ramp up the Nolan Arenado stuff? Do you ramp up the Chris Bryant stuff? Do you give Yohan Camargo another shot? Because Chris, I mean, as good as Austin Riley is as a prospect and as nice of a year as he had, he had a great run. But he did hit just 226 with a 279 OBP. I think that's concerning that you're just going to pass all that off and go, okay, he's just the guy now. I know he was good at AAA. I don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from him because a couple of years ago he was a prime prospect, and then he kind of fell off. And then last year was the bounce back where he had a 992 OPS in AAA. Right, brought him up after 44 games. He had an incredible stretch when he first got brought up, which just did bomb after bomb after bomb. But then he kind of got figured out, like most players do. In your opinion, you, you, you know, obviously big time into the National League ace baseball. Well, you saw Austin Riley. Is this a player who can make those adjustments this year? Or is this a thing where the Braves are are so set up in a powerful position to win that they really should consider maybe bringing in another proven asset or a better one?
0: I I think that they'll make that decision in July. I think that you're going to this is the team that you're going to see opening day. I, I mean, knowing Alex Anthopoulos a little bit, I think that's it. I think that Riley is the third baseman. Camargo has proven in the past that he could play at a high level at third base and mm-hmm. they're going to roll with what they got going into the season. If they feel Check- like they, if they need to make a move, they can right. acquire Chris Bryant for a half a season in July if they need to. That's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's Check this
1: doing. out. Austin Riley in May, 15 games, he hit seven home runs, 20 RBI. Hit I remember. With 1143 <laughs> OPS. Then in June, he hit another seven home runs with 17 RBI, but Dropped down to 226, yeah. batting average of 287 OBP. Then in July, he had 156 with 214. That's a big question. If I was, if I was playing in deep leagues, I would pick up some low-key stashes of Johan Camargo just just because. Because he's not a terrible little player. He's a guy that could swing the bat a little bit, flexible player. I'm just saying if Austin Riley bottoms out, you might get a couple months there out of Camargo. I'm just just kind of putting that out there. How do you think this impacts the NL East now, too?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you give everybody a bumper a game, maybe, you know, like, I, mean, I don't think that it's you know, look Austin Riley could be very good. I don't, I don't think that it changes all that much. And again, Atlanta's in a position to win now, as you illustrated, and very friendly contracts to Albies, by the way, very friendly contracts to Acuna that will not stop them from making another move. I just think that they probably have enough to still win the division as it stands right now. And if they don't feel like they do. And by the way, they got to game five of the ALDS last year, right? Like, they were very close. And then that last game on Yom Kippur, Max Fried pitched, and that's why they lost. But that's another story. Uh, I, 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 I think that... <laughs> it's like you had an undercurrent of, of the reason why he lost. I, I, think they're, I, I think Atlanta's fine. I'm not worried about Atlanta. I think... Sean
1: Green's fine. on the line. He'd like to have a comment about that. Well, I mean, Max Fried should not have pitched. I don't know why he did. Because I mean, he felt, I guess, the need as a professional to do his job above
0: his was, faith. The Yom Kippur is the highest holiday of all in the Jewish religion. Okay. And you were and he was only tempting fate being involved in that game. So you're saying that God wanted him to fail. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm just <laughs> I'm saying they saying got, it, got but... they got they got pulverized. Literally, he got pulverized, literally pitching in that game. And and I don't know Max Fried, but if I am Max Fried and I got to think it all over again, I would say that he he made the wrong decision. Should have sat out that game. That's
1: that's that's a big day in the Jewish religion. Oh, like, I understand. I, I, I totally I get it I totally get it and,
0: and, and again uh, I wouldn't tell anybody how to do their religion but it depends on how religious you are in every situation right. and, and like
1: me who's not at all you know I I you know I we're on the opposite ends of spectrums of those kind of things yet I I don't ever want to disrespect somebody else's beliefs because that's yeah, what makes and not a great and, thing
0: and, right that, and that's fine it's just I personally would not if max Fried in the future would ever say with all due respect to him like I'm a very religious Jewish person I would say that you're a phony because you pitched. Would that you, game.
1: if if they came to you, said Craig Mish, something terrible happened, and and uh, well, maybe not terrible, but uh, Joe Buck can't do the Super Bowl this year, and you're the only guy who could broadcast the Super Bowl, but it's on Yom Kippur. I know this is that wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. You would wouldn't pass on, on yeah, broadcasting the have, Super Bowl.
0: I would have to pass. I would. I, I on Yom Kippur, we. Can't you're going to it. heaven. No, you're, I am you're, you're definitely not in. I am you're definitely going, not.
1: But if you're not going anyway, you might as well call the Super Bowl.
0: No, but that that's just. I, <laughs> and again, and again, the other part of it, too, is that I wasn't raised like super religious or anything like that, but it would hurt my family, too. Like I they would be my wife would not like it. Well, can't you just I, atone I, for it next I, I, year? I, my can't kids, just I would be setting a team. very bad uh, uh sentiment for my kids.
1: But, but isn't the whole point is atoning for sin? So go out there and sin a little, and no, next year be like, "Hey, I called the Super Bowl it was the wrong thing to do. Forgive me." Does, I understand you're what you're
0: saying, and it's a fair assessment.
1: Isn't that the whole? Isn't that the whole process? Is sinning and then being okay? But you not really on that sin. day. Hey, it's just another day. You sin no, on the day. What's the difference? No, you go back. You say no. next year. It's like it's like Catholicism. Hey, I screwed up. Oh, you're forgiven. You, you say a bunch of these things, and you, you say a bunch of poems, and you're good. I mean, well, what's the what's the what's the problem?
0: Again, I'm not super religious, but that day is the one. All this Super Bowl, Craig, Craigy oh, can't do
1: Super Bowl. It. Joe Buck's can't, out. Jim Nance can't do it. I would have felt I would I would
0: I would have felt differently ten years ago than I do
1: now. If you're going to hell anyway, you might as well call the Super Bowl. I'm not saying I'm going to hell. I'm just saying that, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just saying you're a bit a little too vociferous on me going straight. I'm it.
1: saying, but you've got an <laughs> hell. There there may be a, I, I may have a layover Joe, you before for I go more, do a yeah. for your sins, and you've got a huge one. You could do two days at Temple.
0: make a huge be, donation Joe, from that check. From it will not be a direct flight to heaven. I may have a layover in Denver.
1: <laughs> Definitely a layover in Dallas for you. I've hung out with DFW.
0: I gotta have a layover. All right, we'll be back with more fantasy sports today. We'll play some NFBC High Low. Don't go away.
1: Well, I like fantasy sports today. And
2: I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good.
0: And welcome back to fantasy sports today, right here on the show. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia and uh, the NFBC is uh, well underway with their drafts here. So we're paying attention to the average draft position. We're playing a little game of high-low here on the show, as we do during the week. And I'm going to throw out some players to Joe, and he's going to tell me, and I'll weigh in as well, whether or not these players will go higher, lower, or their ADP will be the same when Fantasy Baseball draft kicks off, uh, month kicks off in March, which is really the month that most people do their fantasy drafts, although in February we'll be talking about it too. Let's start off in the hundreds So we'll go uh, player 101 in the NFBC to 199 and we'll go with hitters, hitters, five hitters here. Will they go higher, lower, or will they stay the same in one month from now? You ready? I am
1: ready, Craig Mish.
0: All right, here we go. All right. Reese Hoskins at 112 overall in the NFBC, higher, lower, or the same in March.
1: I'm going to say higher because I think it should be higher and I'm going to stand by that. I fact that Josh Bell is going 88 and Reese Hoskins is going all the way here at 112 He's going right next to Yuli Gurriel coming off a career year at 35 years old, hitting a bunch of home runs that has never been in his statistical profile before. So that to me is a huge, weird red flag. And I think we have to kind of take another lesson here and go look at Raphael Devers. And Raphael Devers came up at age 20 in 2017 and took the world by storm. Oh my God, he's 20 years old. He's the greatest thing ever. And then 2018 happened. He had 240 and he had 20 bombs and the OBP was 298. And everybody, well, he sucks. He's terrible. He's never going to be anything. And uh, if you got your black book, by the way, speaking of black books, I think you got your black book yesterday, I believe. Did you? I, it says delivered in the mail.
0: Well, you know what? We didn't. We we our mailbox is not at our house. It's like a community mailbox. So I will have to go. Uh, to go well, somebody needs
1: to, to take a little walk there and go get the black book because it says I'm delivered. Glad you're checking I'm that. Yeah, I, did I not, am checking so. it. I'll, huh? I'll get it to that. I'll and get into that better. Anyway, last year's profile endeavors was buy, 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 buy in dynasty, buy in redraft, buy everywhere because this kid is phenomenal. You don't come up at 20 and do what he did and not have a great profile. What happened last year? 32, 115, 54 doubles, 311. Now, I'm not saying Hoskins is going to come back with that season, but Hoskins is the same thing. You can look at the Hoskins career and see the same thing where you go, well, look at this guy. Had a great debut, looked like the real deal, then struggled, adjustments, year two, these things happen. Now he's in a spot where Harper's ahead of him. He's got McCutcheon. He's got all these guys around him. He has very little pressure on him, except the pressure he puts on himself. And I think he is one of the best investments you can make in terms of first base outfield. Just having a power bat there. Is he going to hit 320? No. But can he hit 260 with 30 bombs? Absolutely. And I think that's what you're looking for out of Hoskins this year. And I think his ADP is frankly a little insulting right now. And I think just like Devers last year, I'm using him as the same kind of situation and the same, uh, you know, through line. In right. terms of storytelling here, mm-hmm. I don't see why he can't rebound from the 226 season and have a much better year. Because frankly, even last year, he struck out too much. But he still had 29 home runs and drove in 85 runs and scored 86. How is that not a better piece potentially than Josh Bell, who for the first time emerged, or Yulia Gurriel and the same guys going around him? It's crazy. Give me Hoskins.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, going a little bit too low right now. A lot of predictability. That's the word I would circle with uh, Reese Hoskins. You virtually know exactly what he's going to give you, and he's not sexy anymore. And he's not a rookie anymore. Perfect. And so that's, Perfect. that's the reason why people don't want him. But I will gladly take him on draft day. And you're right. He was a little bit down from last year. But I think Philadelphia as a whole was a little bit down from last year. So I think that there's a good rebound coming here. Okay, let's move on to our second name. It's Oscar Mercado of the Cleveland Indians going 118 overall. I could not have been more wrong on this player. I watched Oscar Mercado in spring training every day come up with the Cardinals he was, tr- he was a basically meaningless trade with them. I think Rob Kaminsky was involved in that trade or, or somebody a couple of years ago with Cleveland. And I thought he was a bit player. I did not think that he was anything special. And this dude hit 15 home runs and stole 15 bases last year with the Tribe. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that that was a possibility as this little tiny infielder that was coming up in the organization. Um, I'm not taking him anywhere, but his ADP is 118 going into the season I think that he should be going a lot lower. This guy has me circled as sophomore slump headed my way. But certainly I can understand if people don't know the background here, they would just simply look at his
1: numbers last year and think that they're repeatable. I don't think they are, Joe. I don't think you are wrong. Hot take. There you go. I don't I think your initial setup is exactly right. Everything broke right for him. And then look, I mean, you know, sometimes guys go to organizations and guys say, Well, you we gotta change your, you know, your your swing path and this changes. And sometimes things like that happen and that's fine. But I like to go on track record. And I'd rather be wrong going on track record and being safer than sticking my neck out at this kind of ADP on a player. As a career minor leaguer, the guy hit two fifty-four with a six seventy-eight OPS. What about that makes you excited? I'm just saying no, like, what about it, that it makes no, you it's, think it's remarkable to,
0: I that's why I never I mean, look, no I don't think anybody could have seen this happening, but even when the Cardinals traded him, I thought it was Kaminsky, I was going way too far back. He was traded in 2018 for Connor. Capel and John J.H.O.N. Torres, they gave him away. Like, I mean, were the Cardinals that wrong on this player? I don't think so.
1: Uh, Look, I I think that it's absurd that he's going right next to, let's see, Eduardo Escobar after the season that guy had. He's going right next to Michael Conforto. Uh, If you're talking about other outfielders besides Conforto, the next group is Michael Brantley, a far superior hitter to him. Um, it's, It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Max Kepler is going 143, Craig. Try to digest that for a minute. That Oscar Mercado has a higher ADP than Max Kepler. Yeah, it's what because of the, the steals, religion?
0: clearly. But I, I just I don't. But think this is that-
1: exactly where you go wrong. So you're going to try your best. And look, maybe over a full season, he steals 15 bases again. Okay, maybe. So so what did you give up to, in order to get that? What did you sac? What kind of complete productivity did you sacrifice from a guy like Escobar who might hit 30 bombs again and then score 90 and drive in 90? Why just for 15 steals from a guy who could hit 250 next year? That's bananas, man. I would never do that.
0: Yeah, it's a surprising number for me. Uh, Fran Reyes is at 146. He went from the Padres. uh, If I'm not mistaken, Fran Reyes is going to get a nice opportunity uh, this year to play again with the uh, Cleveland Indians, if I'm not mistaken. Last year, he hit 237 for them. He had 10 home runs. There's a ton of pop in that bat, and that's why he is at 146 overall. Uh, Unfortunately for me, I don't know that I'll be in on this player
1: either, Joe. I think this may be too high for me on him too. Yeah, he's he's going in the same group of players where I think he belongs now to answer the other question too, because I think I got so mad. I just, I, I wanted to give you all the credit for being right on Mercado, even though, well, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I mean, we don't I'm know. I'm going to say that his ADP actually goes up and that's even more bananas. Right. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, so Ray's, me Ray's question. hit
0: 37 home runs and he, he has a ton of power and I get it, but I, I think it know. stays I'm flat.
1: Just, I think it stays flat because I think there's going to be people in your drafts. He's going in the same conversation as Kyle Schwaber and Aristides Aquino, and I don't believe in either of those guys necessarily. But how would you the rank extent. those three? I would take Reyes, Schwarber, Aquino. I would take them in the order they're going. Okay. But because I'm a bit of a Fran Mille Reyes mark, <laughs> and it, and that's because of the DFS world. That's because right. okay. he was one of our favorite guys because of his splits and how much he just pounds from one side of the, from the uh, from the left, the left lefties. It's just, it's unbelievably so good. <laughs> like, we just want to put him out there. But Fran Miel does have elite power, like you keep saying, you know, where are they going in the outfield with Cleveland? I think Fran is the answer of where they're going. That's the guy that they believe can be that guy. So I'm going to say he stays flat here because of the other guys have a similar profile. Even Willie Calhoun is another guy's similar profile. Um, so, But I, I like Fran Mill more than the other guys I talked about.
0: All right. Well, that's fair enough. And, and look, some of these guys we have to be in on and some guys have to go higher and lower. That's part of the conversation. Well,
1: I'm in on, I'm in on, uh, awesome. okay. <laughs> um,
0: how, how about, uh, let's end with this one. Gavin Lux of the Dodgers. He's going ADP 159 under the assumption that this is going to be a really good, uh, first full year for Lux playing in the, in the big leagues. Are you in on that going into the year? Will he go? I, I think that obviously he's going to go higher by the time March comes. This kid's going to just set the world on fire in spring training. No doubt that's coming. Uh, But will he be worth the investment? I'll I'll have to take a deeper dive into him when we get closer to spring.
1: Uh, I'm going to say he goes higher as well. He's at 159 right now, like you said. But Lars Guriel had a phenomenal. (laughs) I mean, when he came back, he looked like a 30, 90, 90 player. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's going right around the same ADP. So there's another guy you could throw that whole conversation we just had about Framil Reyes and I'll take Gurriel over all those guys. I didn't see him here at 157, but I think Lux will definitely go higher. He'll be the new toy. I think he'll be a really good player um, because we've learned these guys when they hand over the jobs to the Alonzos and the Alvarez's and all these guys the last couple of years. Very rarely has an organization been wrong. I don't think Vlad anybody was wrong about. I think he just wasn't healthy. And then By the time he settled in in the second half of the year, he was good and he'll be better. But yeah, I I think it's going to be higher. And if it gets too high, that's when I'll be out right now. I'm in. But if it gets into that 120 range, I'm out. All right. Fair enough. We'll take a quick
0: time out on fantasy sports today. We got to dive back into our season win totals here on the show. We have not yet hit on uh, some of these teams. And by the way, they came out in Caesars yesterday as well. So we'll dive into some differences there when we come back after this. Don't worry. And welcome back, fantasy sports today, Craig Mish, along with Joe Pia, with you here on the show. Very happy to let you know that Caesars in Las Vegas took the initiative here on January fifteenth, two thousand and twenty. They have posted all of the Major League Baseball season win totals. So, in addition to having them on points bet, we also have them on uh, on Caesars. So, let me go ahead and go through these here with you. And Joe, let's get started with the Philadelphia Phillies, who at Caesars have a total of 85 and a half on points bet. The number, by golly, is exactly the same. a <laughs> half and a half
1: on the Philadelphia Phillies in 2020. Joe, where are you at with this? I can't believe you said by golly. Wow, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> I need some time to recover from that. Um, 85 and a half, you said? I think that that's kind of spot on. It's a number I would stay away from. I, I think this, especially with Donaldson now, with a little bit of clarity there. I think this NL East kind of pull plays a little bit closer to the pack here. I really do. I know that Zach Wheeler is a nice addition for them, and I do believe Hoskins is going to have a good year. And I think Harper had a good year last year. And you know, I don't know what people's expectations were, but damn, that was a pretty good season statistically speaking. I know it started off a little slow, but who cares? But I still look at the Phillies and I look at the bullpen, I look at the back of the rotation, and I see question marks. And I and I still think that the Nationals are going to pound them with their pitching. And I think that the the uh, the Atlanta Braves are still going to be better than them with that offense that they have and the Mets will be very competitive. So it's hard for me to see them get to 90 wins. So I'm going to walk away from that number. What do you think about the Phillies this year? Uh,
0: Going over, going over, going over over 85 and a half.
1: So Uh, what breaks for you? Because are you talking, you're looking at Eflin Velasquez Arrieta right now as the back three pitcher. So tell me where, where are these extra, what pops for you here?
0: I, I think that everything that could have gone wrong for the team did. They fired their manager. Their bullpen completely fell apart. Harper was very good, not as good as he could be. Um, they got Didi Gregorius in the offseason. I like what they did. I think they're going over. I think they're going to win 88 games this year. Is that enough, or
1: did I not sell it? Uh, well, I mean, they won 81 last year, so even 85 would be a nice improvement. I just I, I, I see where you're coming from with it, and I like Didi as a player too, but... I don't know it's a hard sell for me just based on, the, I just feel like 92 wins is going to win this division. I think they're all going to be in this 85 to 90-ish range. I just think they're all very good teams and they're going to beat up on the rest of the National League. I just don't believe in the back end of this rotation and knowing what I know about Zach Wheeler and watching him as much as I've watched in my life, he's going to be good and bad. That's what Zach. what If Zach Wheeler has a transformative season and he becomes a more consistent pitcher, then I'll buy what you're selling. Okay. Because then him and Nola at the top, because also Nola started out kind of rough. Everyone forgets April very rough. For Nola was very not rough. But pretty. then great. But so, then great the rest of the year. But then great. But what are you getting? Are you getting great the whole way through or are you getting April only rough the guy whole guy way through? That, yeah. If he is and Zach Wheeler's more consistent, then I then I'm with you. And I think then they they could even challenge for the division, possibly.
0: Yeah, I got I got but, Philly. I got Philly being better. I like the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, uh, here's here's another one here. Let's let's dive into. It's fun now because I got Caesars here. I'm so happy Caesars
1: posted too. I know you're like a kid at Christmas. I really am. From from you. you're like, Look, okay. so now, now, here's
0: a great here's a great thing. So so points. OK, we're on to the pirates. Points bet has them at seventy three and a half. You want to take advantage of something, Joe. You need to log on and bet this right now. Uh, points bet has them at seventy three and a half. Caesars released it at seventy and a half. If you wanted to go under. Then you got a great deal over there. Ah, I shouldn't even be saying that, but uh, promoting that. But that's just a fact.
1: You just that's that's why you has got to do
0: it. But I mean, this is why nice I'm, so- like I'm sorry. I got to I got to got to go with what I see. But Pirates. you're right. Pirates under 73 and a half. You would agree. I would agree. We ain't going over on the Pirates. No way. No chance of that. It would be under or nothing for me with them. They are one of Joe to me. The Pittsburgh Pirates, one of the few teams in all of baseball. OK, all of baseball. That is not in it to win it this year. So why is their totals in
1: the seventies? Why? I I I don't have an answer for this. I really don't. They won sixty nine games last year. So how did they get better? (laughs) That's what I'm trying to get. Are they even trying to get better? Well, I think they're trying to get worse. I think they're trying like hell to trade Marte. Don't you?
0: I think I think there's a chance of that. Their pitching isn't very good. Their offense. Their their, their offense. Bell is very good. Mm -hmm. Reynolds is very good. Uh, Newman is good. I mean, you know what? The Pirates always overachieve a little bit. I will tell you that I won't bet this, but I think that they will go under. And if I was going to do it, clearly I would want seventy three and a half. I'm not enticed at all to seventy and a half. By the way, Caesar's is number because I think that that's that's where the number probably should be. I could see them yeah. scrape, scraping out seventy one and ninety one, like oh, for sure, because again, they still have a couple of bivs. Musgrove is decent. Maybe is that seventy
1: three and a half or seventy three? Seventy three and a half. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking at this, too, and, and you were just I can't about go the over. It. There's no way. I no, go God, no, no, you're nuts. But they're going to continue to sell off pieces. I think I think that's what you're that's. That the is the to key to this. To. That's the key to this. In July. And Marte is going to be one of those pieces. And Maybe. I think Archer is going to be. Listen, Archer. Archer has his warts and Archer was bad last year. Archer was also hurt last year. He had a shoulder issue. He tried to pitch through it. Eventually, he threw in the towel, said, I can't do it. If I was the twins, he's the first guy I'd be knocking on the door for because, He's a guy you could probably get on the cheap, buy low. You need help in the rotation. Why not take a shot on Archer? What do you have to lose? At, at the worst case scenario, he becomes a guy with a four ERA and strikes out 200 guys again, maybe. Okay, like that's better than what you got at the back of this rotation if you're all in. And you've got the pieces. I mean, that's the other dangerous thing about Minnesota right now is they've got the Kirloffs and, and Trevor Larnix of the world. They've got a lot of pieces in that system, position player pieces that they could flip right away and bring in a, and some premier talent. And Archer, I think, is Archer and Marte are the first two guys off this island. And I think it happens before July for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and when I'm looking at these totals, I, you know, you brought up something that is absolutely the key when, when I'm diving into this. I don't go for the low. I don't go for the high. When I'm looking at these middle teams in the 70s, are they trying to win and will they be trading players? And I think that the Pirates are a great example of that. And by the way, in the National League, Joe, think about this. How many teams are not trying to win in the National League this year? Um, I, I, think, I think I got two. And that's I it. was going to say two. It's it's
1: San Francisco Giants and Pittsburgh. And it's that's Pittsburgh. it. That's you, it. And both of those hot totals are way too high. And and the other thing you're not talking about with Pittsburgh that you should mention is how many games are they going to lose even if they have a lead with the bullpen? They have Kyle yeah. Crick and Keona Keller oh, are really that's true, too.
2: Yeah, that's really
1: finished forever. Yeah. Do we really? Yeah. It's not like they have a closer anymore that you rely on. And they've done to nothing. And they've done nothing. Well, they've done yeah. nothing because, like you said, they're not interested in competing. They right fired now. their GM. They also have done a terrible job. I mean, I, I don't know what's what been the, awful. Yeah, they've been a terrible job of trading guys like Glass now, trading guys like Cole and not getting enough back. There. No, they didn't. No, that's, I like, I like the, Jason Martin. I think he's going to be all right. But yeah, what's the, I, but what about, where, where's Tyon? Where, what's he at right now? He's missing some of the season. Is that where is that where he's at? You're missing <laughs> some of the season. Okay, yeah.
0: the, 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 the only thing that would push them over is their pitching. Does have some talent? Trevor Williams is a talented pitcher. Archer is a talented pitcher if he can get it straight. People are going to love Musgrove again. I'm not taking him, but Musgrove is a talent.
1: But like they could Musgrove go, shows you moments, but I, I don't believe in any of these guys. They could get a
0: decent rotation out of this, and they, they are able to overachieve every year based on what they've had. But that was
1: hurdle. Uh, there's just a big change in Pittsburgh this year. Well, don't, let's also consider the, the back end of this lineup too. Colin Moran, Kevin Newman, Adam Frazier, Jacob Stallings. I'm okay with those guys. I'm not I'm not that down on that. Uh, Colin Moran is, is a quad A player. But but, but again, that, if right? they
0: won 72 games, it would not shock you. That'd be 72 and 90, Joe. That's not bad. That. That's why the points bet one at 73 and a half is, is the advantage there. I agree. All right. I mean, when we get to two teams in 10 minutes, that's
1: not a good pace. That's because we're awesome, okay? <laughs> Yeah, it's maybe. a long January, mesh. We'll,
0: we'll save the Giants for another day. Let's end with the Padres, because that's going to be one we're going to probably be the biggest on. Uh, <laughs> the, the San Diego Padres. All right. Uh, Points bet had it last week at eighty-four and a half. It has come out at Caesars at 83 on the Padres. I think this number is about right. They are trying to win as hard as any team in baseball. It is do or die for A.J. Preller. This is it. They have to win this year. He fired the manager and hired Jace Tingley. I mean, No disrespect to Jace Tigley, but no one had ever heard of that dude before he got hired. This is a hit <laughs> guy. They could have had Ron Washington. They probably should have had Ron Washington as their manager if you're trying to win. I, I think this number is spot on, man. Like This is like an, a 500 team, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse. I could see them adding players at the deadline too. Too dangerous for me. I'm going to pass. I think this is, uh, this is right where the number should be.
1: You know, it's a 14-game improvement from last year, right? It's a big jump. Well, I'm not saying it's an impossible one, but it is a big jump, I guess. Well, it's just, well, I, well
0: they well they got Tommy Pham. That's going to be a, an add in wins for sure by a winner. Too. But this is
1: another team where the I, I like the pro. I thought the profile acquisition was low key. Nice. I actually I thought that was actually a I smart mean, I, because I think they made can,
0: yeah, the, the best
1: offseason the only thing play ac- everywhere. I mean, if Drew
0: Pomerantz is a stud, that's a huge move for them. That's a huge. That, move that's another one, too,
1: because Yates was very good at the back of that bullpen. Pomerantz with Yates is a great combination. Theoretically paddock i'm not i'm sold on paddock i'm a paddock guy from last year i'm a paddock guy this year garrett richards is the huge enigma because that was the signing that they had last year where it, they, they signed him knowing he wasn't going to pitch for an entire season and all i kept thinking was man i can't wait to see what happens with garrett richards in 2020 let's see what happens in spring training with him if he looks good because garrett richards has had some moments in his career where he was a very good pitcher But you asking lamette lucchese really to step up in the void here and I think Machado was another guy too, where everyone's expectations were through the roof and he still had a pretty good season and he's being very undervalued in fantasy. 14 games is a lot. I think they can get, they're they're like the White Sox of the National League. I think they're going to be much better, but I don't think, they may be 10 games better or 500 better, but I don't know if it could be 14 games better. What's the number here? 84?
0: 84, 83 in Vegas, 84 and a half on points bet. I'm going
1: to go over on the 83. What's what's your feeling here?
0: I'm a pass. I'm a pass. I think this is a five. I I think it's a 500 500 team. It's a five is good. That's a,
1: that's a 14 game improvement. <laughs> like, that's great. That's a lot to ask
0: of a baseball team year over year. The thing for me also with this team, too, is and, and the danger zone on going under here. And, and, it, and it could be an under for sure, is, is when you have superstars on your team and they have superstars on their team. Like Manny Machado is a superstar. Tatis and, is
1: a superstar in training.
0: Exactly. Like they have guys that could get you to 90 wins without a doubt, if healthy. And so that's the danger zone for me on going on and under and also on a team here that would add to go for it at the deadline. If they're close. quick,
1: quick little caveat here, if the Rockies do decide to punt and move on from Arenado, that is that is in that the conversation
0: changes. with the Padres and the Giants. There's no yeah, doubt that has to be that, a that factor here that division. It yeah. does. It will. It will alter it. I would say that there's too much smoke for there not to be fire with Arenado. But again, it's all coming from the same guy <laughs> on this report, <laughs> right? It's, it's all coming. It's all coming from one person, and it was basically debunked yesterday by another. So. I mean, look, the Rockies could trade him in July. That could alter things, too. But I I just don't have a feel for what the Rockies are doing right now. All right. uh, We'll continue uh, this, this conversation tomorrow with the San Francisco Giants. So now we have said it verbally. We'll know where we'll lead off. When we come back next, more fantasy discussion, also some pop culture as well. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss Joe Pizapia with you here on the show. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, normal time, normal show, 12 to 2 Eastern. But Dr. Roto is coming up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for him. Uh, Joe, interesting story posted by uh, former coach, former big league player, uh, Tim Flannery on Facebook yesterday. What did you make of it?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I saw this. And, and if you don't know who Tim Flannery is, I question how hardcore of a baseball fan you are because... He's one of those baseball lifer guys. Bench coach for the Giants and those runs with uh, Bochi and uh, third base coach there. He was a guy who just, you know, was a longtime player for the Giants and Padres, I believe, with the two teams off the top of my head, too. And he's just one of those baseball guys. And he posted this yesterday, and I thought it was fascinating. He said, they're finding teams who try to steal signs. I just got out in time. Now, granted, let me preface this also by saying the Astros were wrong. They were absolutely wrong because Major League Baseball made it very clear that electronic use of doing this is wrong but then we start talking about well what's cheating and what's not and and what's part of the game and what isn't and people are going way too crazy about getting bent out of shape about it but he said i need to speak out normal is changing and today's norm is not the norm for 26 years i was in the big leagues 10 as a player 16 as a third base coach 20 if you count the other years of learning the craft and playing in the minors blah 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 25 World Series games under my belt, seven elimination games, seventh game of a World Series, five World Series, three World Championships. I know it doesn't mean much to uh, of those things in front of a computer with the answers, but I'm going to make a long story short. I had a video camera on every third base coach every single night. I spent hours logging tapes, trying to steal your signs and finding a way to beat you. You as well did it in New York. I knew the Valentine Mets did it. I knew the Cubs did it. I knew the Diamondbacks, the St. Louis Cardinals did it. I caught them. That's what's fun about, and that's where the fun begins. You F them up by changing the signs. You tell the boys, if I put a hit and run on the first pitch, don't do anything, and then they will pitch out, and then they know that they think they have the signs, and they keep going back and forth. And basically what he's saying is I tried to out scheme you out scheming me. And this was the chess match of baseball. We had an advanced scout that could watch you at third base coach for three days and be real close to getting the signs. And he would send his report and I would watch you and I would have a camera on you. And if you haven't played, you don't understand how important this part of the game should be. He goes on at the very end to say this, uh, all this stuff about how uh, they look at their cameras and we all used to steal signs. They would see in their minds S, they have the same sign of hit and run and we have. It's propaganda. It's warfare. It's trying to beat you. So why you claim people aren't watching baseball because it takes too long? I say you're taking the smarts out of it. I tried every night for 16 years years to steal your signs, either writing or everything you did down to looking at the tapes because I had a camera on you just like you had on me. Please leave the game alone and every writer who wrote articles on this be in church Sunday because I know for a fact every one of you looked at body language, vibe, and found a way to snake another writer to get the feature to get the win, leaving it with no creativity, no thinking, and the dumbing down of the greatest game ever. Not that I know anything about it. Peace out, Tim Flannery. Now, he brings up an interesting point here because... What's the difference of having cameras and having this information, being able to relay it in a different way as opposed to relaying it with a trash can in real time? How far apart are these two things? Again, not making an apology for the Astros, but Craig, as a baseball lover, as you are, how far off are we in this? And is it really such a big deal if it's all cameras all ramping up on all technology? How do we get it out of the game? And can we get it out of the game?
0: Yeah, I, I think that the issue that Flannery maybe is off on, maybe his opinions are valid. I'm not valid. saying it's
1: perfect. I just thought it was a valid, interesting Right. No, no, no. It's all
0: view. It's all valid, and it's all correct. And, and this is, I think, the difference in dating back to Rafael Palmero as opposed to some of the other players, is that baseball had a rule in place that was broken. So if his disagreement is with Rob Manfred putting in that rule that you couldn't use technology in order to do this and the warning, that's that's the story that we can discuss. Right. But there was a rule. Right. And and they warned the teams, don't do it. I don't think that there's any argument over that. If the rule is in place and you broke the rule, you got to pay the price
1: like there's that's it the end. And so. So why is it, I guess, here's the question is if teams and he's basically saying, hey, this has been like in the 90s and 2000s, we were all using videotape to steal signs. We weren't getting a guy on second base and figuring out we were having cameras Uh taping third base coaches.
0: Yes, but baseball now has decided that this cannot go on anymore. They don't want it happening. They put a rule in teams discarded that warning and they're
1: going to be punished for that. Right. But I'm just saying now going forward. Are they going to make sure that teams aren't video? Because I mean, everyone's got a cell phone camera. Everyone's got a How are you going to stop? How are you going to how are you going to monitor? Teams
0: may still try and do it and they'll get
1: caught. How is this any different than PEDs, Joe? People are still getting busted for PEDs. Yeah, it's the same thing. But you know how I feel about PEDs. PEDs, regulate it, monitor it. I mean, right. I, you know, when not, your grandmother a, falls and breaks a hip, they give her steroids. No, I understand. <laughs> you know, but,
0: but again, players would completely disagree with you. And so, listen, that's your not opinion. All players. I, I, most would. Most
1: would. A lot and of I, them who want to get back on the field would love to have HGH monitored and, and use it just like a lot of people who are everyday people who go through physical therapy are given these kind of substances and they're regulated and monitored because they do help. Uh, I just think the abuse of them. If you just,
0: if you had a, if you were in a clubhouse and you were talking to players about this, you would not, you would change your opinion completely. Well, that's good.
1: And I'm, and I'm glad that they have gotten to a moral point that they feel okay about that. Good for them. That's great. I guess at the same time, we have to start, I guess the other thing that bothers me about this whole scandal or whatever we want to call it is somehow now we jump to the conclusion of this team's no good. That team doesn't deserve this. At the end of the day, no matter if you have the signs, no matter if the one guy's on steroids or not, isn't it about execution? I mean, gosh, I don't remember those Maguire Cardinal teams or the Cubs Sosa teams winning a whole lot of championships. Do you? Like No, don't you still and have no to perform?
0: of course. <laughs> and it's and listen, inevitably in life, it's all what you can get away with. You know, like it, it. I mean, listen, in hiring, there's nothing illegal about hiring your friend. It doesn't make it right. No. I mean, you could be the president of some sort of company and there could be a million people that are more qualified to get a job. But because of nepotism or favoritism, you get a job and that doesn't make it right. But it's the way that the company wants to operate. Once there are safeguards and there are rules in place, that has to be the end of the story, which is why Rafael Palmero is held to a different standard than some of these other players. Like what makes uh what makes Manny Ramirez a better overall player statistically than Rafael Palmero? None. Uh but, you know, people have opinions and they choose to do what they do with with uh, Ramirez, and it's more accepted now that people did PEDs as opposed to when Palmero was initially on the ballot. But Palmero was as good a player as Manny Ramirez
1: or better, and the stats don't lie. Oh, I mean I just think he's a, a better words. player than Jeff Bagwell, and he's in the Hall of Fame.
0: And the stats don't lie, but okay. the perception of what steroids were 10 years ago as opposed to now has completely changed, and also from a quantitative point of view, Rafael Palmero was caught using PEDs when baseball mm-hmm. said, if we catch you, right. we're going to suspend you. Right. And that and that is the difference between the rod, you know, you got caught at a time where we determined, OK, and baseball did the same thing with this. Listen, you guys did your PEDs. You guys stole your son. Right. You had your line, fun. You had it. But now <laughs> you got to stop. And if you don't, we're going to we're going to suspend you. And it's that's just hard what's happening. Them. I know they just can't. And, and, and they funny. won't it's stop stealing. Totally and you're they right. won't stop stealing signs, just like they won't stop using P.E.D. Starling Marte was in fantasy, a top three round pick got suspended
1: for half a
2: season.
0: I mean, that, I mean, D. Gordon got suspended for half a season. I mean, this is recent history. And, Last it's not always, and it's
1: not only the guys do like D. Gordon. Like there's a perfect example, right? D. Gordon is what, 110 pounds soaking wet? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and you're looking at him and a lot of people don't realize that you know steroids hgh and all and some of the other things too that these guys take it's not all about them becoming incredibly it's about them being able to play 162 games it's about them being able to get on the field uh, baseball is an unforgiving sport if if football is the violent quick game then baseball is the slow burn grind on your body and I think people don't understand. And that's why amphetamines were such a huge part of the game. I mean, 80s baseball was wild and everybody was hyped up on amphetamines. And that's part of the reason why I think every, you know, and they all said, hey, we all took our greenies before there. And then you see a lot of milk getting passed around the locker room to come down from it. You say, why is guys drinking milk in 1987? You know, that's why. But, um, you know, it's it's very, like I said, I, I look at this and then now trying to have perspective with the steroid guys and perspective with all of this. I always feel like it's you know if you win, you win, if you play well, you play well. If you had an advantage, chances are somebody else in the other team had some kind of advantage too and you just got to take it at face value. And even though you could say you want to take it with a grain of salt, I don't think you can take away what the team accomplishes or what an individual accomplishes too, because I'll'll go to the grave and say this. Rafael Palmero, we all know what he did. And we're all naive if we don't think that other guys that are already in the Hall of Fame didn't. I think we all have a pretty clear idea of who those names are. Let's just stop. Let's just stop living in fantasy land. Let's stop being naive and let's reward the players that were great players in the era they played and stop. Just, you yeah. know, I mean, it opens up a whole new
0: conversation for uh, for players that were close that, you know, did PEDs to get above it. And that's I uh, think Palmero was
1: way more than close. Palmero of, was of long. course.
0: But again, that's a two hour show for us. So let's let we'll, we'll do that at some other point. Um, let, let's close out with a couple of quick things here. Uh, TV wise, Netflix is posting their uh, video. I guess it posted last night on the documentary of Aaron Hernandez. My guess is being that you are a New England Patriots fan, that this would interest you and
1: you will watch. Is that accurate? It does. And I did see that same trailer and I am interested in it. I think it's, um, you know, one of those stories. And it's funny because it kind of ties into what we were talking earlier about Keekly. Aaron Hernandez was another one of these guys played football, youth football from a very young age, was the star of youth football, took a ton of shots, took a ton of, took noted head injuries, not just in college that we know of, but also in high school and even before that. And I think those took its toll. And look, you could say he was, a you know, had bad seed things to begin with. But even the people close to him, I think what you're starting to get from that documentary is the where it all went and where you're kind of seeing Antonio Brown go and some of these other guys. And I yeah. think we just need to do a better job of protecting protecting the, the, the people who want to play this game at a younger age so that when they get to become full-grown men, that they have a better chance of being able to not end up like the Dave Dewarsons of the world and not end up like the Jim Mcmans of the world, and not end up like the Aaron Hernandezes of the world. I think I think as a society, we have a responsibility there where we can't stop people from playing football, but we could certainly change the way we play football at a younger age so that we can at least take some of the mileage off and get these kids that when they become grown men at 17, 18, 19 years old and they go from high school into fo- into college to play football, that they have a better shot of a better quality of life if they should play professional football. And then afterwards, you know, in their 40s, they aren't, you know, can remember their name or what street they live on.
0: All right. And uh, let's end with this. uh, Bad Boys for Life officially tomorrow night comes out. Uh, It'll be the number one movie in theaters for sure this weekend. Uh, A movie that even though it is based here in South Florida, Joe, I have very little interest in seeing in the theater. My guess is that when this comes to, pay-per-view or or dvd etc i will check it out any interest in you in seeing this finale to the bad boys series
1: uh no i never got through the first bad boys movie not a big martin lawrence guy the only thing i could tolerate martin lawrence in was basically uh house party big fan of the first house party great movie classic robin harris hilarious uh I love kid yeah. and play but i i never watched the first one all the way through never okay. saw the second one don't care i don't get the fascination of this movie do you Ah, oh, it's like the fast and the furious same sort of stuff people are into it Yep, I don't, can't, I'm can't not, say that I'm that, that's a good place to put it because I've never seen one of those movies except i a couple first one of them, the but you
0: know, it. again, it's not something that I'll you know, there's a new Netflix with uh, Ryan Reynolds that's very similar to all of these. It's like if you sit down, you could get through it. You know, I, th- That
1: weird. Hobbs and Shaw one looked amusing because I do like The Rock and I do enjoy the Jason Statham. And Idris Mm -hmm. Elba. These are all people I like that. That one might tempt me. I might be tempted there.
0: All right. Well, there it is. Temptation is in. Okay. uh, we need to take one more time out here on Fantasy Sports today. We have our two minute warning coming up next. Would invite you to please like and subscribe to this show, if you would please, on Android or. Google Play, or better yet, on iTunes, which is what I have. And then you'll get the show sent to you every single day, including some of the great interviews that we have and will have coming up with a lot of players and baseball coaches, managers, etc., getting ready for the fantasy baseball season. But up next, it is our two-minute drill, and then we send it over to Dr. Roto at the top of the hour. He's standing by with his fantasy extravaganza. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today with Craig and Joe, and we'll be back with one final comment after this.
1: fantasy sports today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia
0: and welcome back to fantasy sports today it's almost time to send things over to Dr. Roto you don't want to go anywhere stay right here on iHeartRadio fantasy sports network tune in radio before we do that let's kick it over to Joe he's got this edition of the two minute warning
2: the two minute warning two minutes get your
0: together is that gonna be enough time
1: Poor CC Sabathia. And I say poor in air quotes because he is far from poor. CC Sabathia has had a lot of great moments in his career, made a ton of money as well. CC Sabathia, though, Feels cheated. They didn't get one more ring because, well, the Astros in 2017 beat up on the Yankees. Well, that's unfortunate. I, I wonder if he felt cheated, or maybe the, the Phillies or-, or some other team might want to, you know, talk about how you know he felt cheated when Alex Rodriguez had some great runs for the Yankees and put a lot of money in Sabathia's pocket with a lot of W's. Or, or maybe Ryan Braun, who was uh, obviously convicted of taking steroids and obviously pretty much on them when he had 37 runs, home runs in that great run that they had in 2008 when CC Sabathia basically helped put that team on his back along with Braun and went right into the playoffs and then took that run into a huge contract. So I don't think cheated is necessarily the right word you want to use CC. I think you just want to say nothing because you know why? Because you can continue to throw these stones and they end up coming back to you in the end. You had a great career. You had a great run. You've got a World Series ring. What more do you need? Honestly, I can't imagine what more you need. But the last thing you need is the headache of trying to say, I deserve this or I feel cheated. Meanwhile, inside your own house and your own team, there were plenty of guys breaking the rules and breaking the laws of baseball to not only your benefit as a player, but to your financial benefit as well.
0: Well said by Joe, for sure. CC, a uh, great player. May have to go back and have some revisionist history with him. All right. That'll do it for the show. Uh, thanks to Sean Guastamachin for producing. For my co-host Joe Pizza PI I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Joe and I will be back on the Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports Today. We'll get back to some AFC and NFC Championship talk. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. See ya.